happy Easter and thank you for joining us. Amen. You know, even in these trying times, the banner behind me that we put up a few years ago in the last building that we're at, the banner behind me means more today, I think, than it's ever meant. That the best is yet to come. My hope is that the cross that it illustrates for you that we have no reason to live in fear. My hope is that the empty tomb illustrates to you that Jesus Christ has already won the victory. My hope is that we learn and we understand that though we live in troubled times, that there is no reason to fear, that there is no reason to worry, that there is no reason to panic. There are many issues in life that try to define us. Some of us are so defined by our past that we can't escape it. In fact, many of these issues pull us away from God. They pull us away from the, the desired life that we have in him. As a pastor, I get to connect with people in some of the most intimate moments, in some of their most happy moments, like when a baby is born, I get to be there and snuggle and huddle up next to that little baby. It's a wonderful thing, man. Mom's all worn out, dad's all aglow. That nurse hands that baby over to mom and dad for the first time. It's a beautiful thing to be there just a few hours later and bless that child as it comes into the world. But I also get to be there at moments where life is difficult and hard. I get to be at the bedside of people who are passing, who are literally drawing their last breath. One of the things I've recognized as I see people come into the world and people exit the world is that we are all defined by something. We are all defined by instances and circumstances. We are all defined by thoughts and ideas. We are all defined by a theology or a doctrine. And many times those concepts are pushed on us, not by any means of our own making, but they're pushed on us by others and circumstances and things that have happened to us. But we forget from birth to death, we forget that the best is yet to come because of what Jesus did on this Easter Sunday morning. Not just in eternity, our best is yet to come, but right here today, every day of our life, the best is yet to come. See, some of us have these habitual words that kind of run through our thought life, our self-talk. We have words because we've been identified by these words for so very long, we can't seem to shake them. Words like failure and anger, disappointment, rejection. Maybe you feel trapped. Maybe in a moment like this where the world is upside down, where our nation doesn't know where to turn, maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you felt the strong hand of abuse as a child or a teenager, maybe even through adulthood. If you look at the, 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 the statistics of those who have been abused in our country, it is staggering to see that so many adults live life with the baggage of past abuse around them. These definitions can affect the way we see God. They can affect the way we see this celebratory Easter moment. They can affect the way we actually see the empty tomb. There are two things that mark us when we don't understand how to redefine ourselves in Christ. The first is guilt. Guilt is simply a feeling that we are sorry for what we have done. Sometimes that guilt hangs around our neck. Jesus literally dealt with guilt at the cross. He redeemed us from all wrongdoing perpetrated to us or that we might have done towards others. The second thing that we're often marked with is the idea of shame. Shame says that something is wrong with you, that something that you hold or identifies with you makes you wrong in the sight of God, in the sight of others, and in the sight of yourself. 
Shame is something that many times is unbearable. But the cross is a place where you can literally lay down your guilt and shame. Unfortunately, shame causes many people to even hide from God, to, to not run to the doors of a church, to not seek counsel from godly people, to not find solace in the Bible. In our guilt and shame complex, many of us become judgmental. We burn down others. We break through relationships. We, we don't allow anyone to get close for fear that they might hurt us, so we push them off. Easter is all about a savior. The cross to the grave is all about a man who is willing to lay down his life to die for you and I so that we might receive salvation. But many of us think that this salvation is something far off in the future. Many of us appeal to the idea of salvation, of being that someday, that sweet by and by when we find heaven's pearly gates as our home. But today you need to understand that the salvation that comes by way of the cross in an empty tomb is a salvation for today that you no longer have to be held to your guilt and shame. I'm not bringing up the idea or the matter of guilt and shame to hurt anyone. I don't want to distort the picture, the beautiful picture that we have this Easter. But Jesus, Jesus is an active agent in our understanding that our best is yet to come. That we don't have to look at our past. We don't have to look at our yesterdays. We don't have to look at the places we've been hurt. We don't look at, have to look at the places where we've hurt others. That we can look towards a bright and beautiful future in Christ Jesus. The first message that Jesus ever preached and was recorded, it didn't go very well for him. In fact, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. We'll read from 16 to 21 here in just a moment, but it didn't go very well. Jesus preaches his first sermon in church. You'd think the Son of God come to dispel wisdom and knowledge to his own family, to his own hometown, that they'd be very well receiving. Unfortunately, when they got done, they, they led him off to the cliff and they were about to kill him because what he said had such a distinct impact it was a public declaration that the best was yet to come and the hearers of this message couldn't handle it. Verse 16 says it like this. When he came to the, to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. To, he has set uh, me to proclaim uh, the captives that they would be released. That there would be sight to the blind. That the oppressed would go free. And that the year of the Lord's Jubilee, when salvation and free favor of God profoundly or profusely abound, will come. He rolled up the scroll. He handed it back to the attendant. He sat down. And all the eyes of the synagogue were looking at it intently. And he began to speak to them. He said these words, the scriptures you've just heard have been fulfilled this very day. What did he say to that crowd? The first message Jesus would ever preach and the message that ultimately got him killed. What did he say? Verse 19, this is the year of Jubilee. When salvation and the free favor of God are profusely abounding, meaning you can't cover it up. 
that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, for he was anointed to bring good news to the poor. Listen, there is good news to the poor in spirit right now, that there is a better day ahead, that our tomorrows are better than our yesterdays. There is good news that Jesus Christ trumps even this virus. There is good news that we don't have to define ourselves by a new normal, but that everything that we love and hold sacred about our common community as believers, as people, as humanity can get back to normal. It will get back to normal. This will not define our future. There's good news to be preached. There's good news to be heard. He has sent him, Jesus, to proclaim that captives will be released. We feel like captives from time to time, especially right now, beholden to our homes. We're told we can't go even meet and greet a neighbor. We're told we're not supposed to go to the shopping mall or go to a clothing store or go get our hair done and fixed. And some of you girls, man, you're going to walk out of this quarantine looking like a Wookiee. We're going to find out who really shaves what when this is all over with. We're going to find, we're definitely going to know your natural hair color by the time it's all over. Anyway, we won't go there. But he came to set free those who are captive. And right now I feel like we are being held captive by an invisible enemy. But he's come to set us free even from the bonds of this fear that is around this virus. He came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm here to say that our best is yet to come because 2020 is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is an opportunity for us to fulfill these scriptures that you've heard today, that they don't need to rest on a shelf somewhere, but they can be ours to take home, to live in, because Jesus himself already fulfilled them when he kicked out the inside of that tomb. This is the first public pronouncement that Jesus has ever made and basically, in a nutshell, he summed up, to sum up his whole sermon, it was the idea that the best is yet to come. They'd been waiting for a king. They'd been waiting for a king to show them what the new kingdom looked like. And he said, here it is in front of you, this day it's fulfilled. They'd been waiting for God to send his Messiah, the one who was prophesied about, to finally come to earth to fulfill the prophetic mandate. And Jesus said, today it has happened in the hearing of your ears. Today we can't leave this Easter season without understanding. It has all been fulfilled. It has all been finished. When he hung his head and died, he, he paved the way for your sin to be forgiven. But when he kicked out the end of that tomb, he made way for you to be remade brand new like you've never been before. We don't have to worry, wonder about what tomorrow will look like. We don't have to worry or wonder if God loves us or if he's for us. We don't have to worry and wonder if he's on our side. We serve a Jesus who loves us, who's intimately involved in every detail of our life, and that he's come to set you free so that tomorrow will be your best day. Quoting Isaiah, Isaiah Jesus pointed to the culmination of the story that the Messiah had finally come, the one who was born of a virgin, the highly anticipated king. He finally came, and he was one that would take care of the sins of the world. I hope that what Jesus did for us on Easter will resonate with us throughout this week, throughout the coming weeks, as our country and our world gets back online. I pray that it will hang on us like a heavy weight that will understand what happened at the cross and what that empty tomb symbolizes. That we'll know that our best is yet to come. 
Because he brings good news, our best is yet to come. Because he proclaims that the captives will be released, our best is yet to come. Because he says the blind, those who are blinded, they are shut up in darkness, they can't see the light of the gospel. Because he has come to release that blindness, to show them the light of who he is, our best is yet to come. Our best is yet to come because all of those who are oppressed will be set free. Our best is yet to come because salvation and free favor of God profusely abounds from heaven's throne. Our best is yet to come. Knowing there must be a victory over sin and its grip on us, Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice. Not an attempt to finally appease God, but so that he could win the victory. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke Well, we're going to skip that for a second. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews 12 and verse 1, if you're looking at it up online, go ahead and grab it and get there. If you're in the parking lot, you can read along with me. It says, for the joy set before him, he, Jesus, endured what? The cross. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Meaning something very simple, that he understood his best was yet to come, that our best was yet to come, that the best of humanity was yet to come, that he would, through his rescuing actions, remake the world one at a time through each and every one of us, and in doing so, he would create the world that he ultimately came to design in the first place, that heaven would come to earth, that that old, that that old prayer that he taught his disciples would be made real in their hearing, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus endured the cross because he understood, though he might suffer momentary pain, the end result, the payoff, was so much better. Today, I hope we understand that though we're we're social distancing, that though we're worshiping in our cars and online, that though we're not experiencing Easter as we normally would, I hope we understand that our best is yet to come and that we can go through momentary uh, uh, seasons of pain so that we can ultimately have our best days ahead of us. We can go through momentary displacement and discomfort so our best days are ahead of us. We need to understand that there is a hope and a future because we are in Christ Jesus. I feel more patriotic than I've ever felt before. I think we've all been forced into that role. Last night, I actually looked up all of the pastors, their names, clergymen who fought in different wars from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War. And there is a very long list. Men who wore collars and who studied holy books, who held church services in open-air arenas much like this. And at some point they said, we need to defend this holy, sacred ground that we call the United States of America. This isn't a 4th of July service, and I don't want to turn it into that, but I want you to understand that we have something to defend because this is the only nation on the planet that when its ground was first toiled and turned, it was because men and women had decided to find a place where they could freely worship, that no government would tell them what they couldn't or couldn't worship, that no government would tell them where and how they could have religious services. And today we need to come back to that place that there is a hope that there's a mighty hope in the God we serve because we're standing on principle that Jesus Christ and through him, if we push his word first, that we will live in our personal liberties that are guaranteed in our constitution. Anyway, I don't mean to get too political for you, 
But the idea is very simple, that our best is yet to come because Jesus won the victory. The best is yet to come because when he rolled that scroll up and he put it away from that initial reading, from his first sermon ever preached, though they couldn't stand it, they wanted to throw him over a cliff, his best was still ahead of him. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, you don't have to turn there. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God the Father planned in order to rescue us from the evil of this world in which we live. Listen, there will always be a demonic power. There will always be an evil influence. There will always be some nasty person at the end of the line that wants to shut down what God is doing. But we know through this scripture that he's come as part of the plan of God to redeem us from our sin, but also to rescue us from this evil and broken world. It's time, I believe, for a new revolution. It's time, I believe, for a new revival. Not that we necessarily take up arms, nothing's come to that, although if it does, I'll gladly do so. Not because we have to worry about an overpowering government, not at this point, but because there are men and women around this country and around our region and in our cities and in our neighborhoods and even though we're broadcasting live on Facebook and streaming throughout the known world that they still don't know the life-saving message of the gospel. In fact, we live in a city, whether you know it or not, that's been deemed as the 15th most post-Christian cities in America. Well, we're doing a good job as the Quad Cities. We've gone up that ladder. A few years ago, we were the 27th least churched cities in America. It only took five years and we jumped up 10 spots. It's not a good thing. In fact, what it means is we have a job to do, church. What it means is this field should be filled with cars. What it means is we should be tearing down this building and building a bigger one so that we can accommodate the crowds. What it means is that while the world has seen through the eyes of this virus that it is mortal, it is not eternal, and that at any moment it can all be shut down from economics to government, that in this moment we need to say that there's only one saving grace and it's in Jesus. That if you want your best days ahead of you, if your best is yet to come, the only place you can find it is hidden in the life of Christ. That if you rely on government, that if you rely on your wealth, your job, your position, your title, that it can all come crumbling down in a moment. And how quickly we've forgotten. It wasn't very long ago our country was attacked by terrorists and two towers fell in New York. And now New York is feeling the great pain of this virus. Yet people still aren't wise enough to turn to Jesus. When will we get it? That this world offers us nothing. It is not my home. And when that cross was barren, when that grave was open, it proves the fact that Jesus Christ is the only hope for our future. Jesus gave himself for our sin. Our sin, our guilt, our shame. He meant to redeem us back to him, to bridge a gap between God and himself so that we could finally walk into the loving arms of our Father. We could walk boldly, as the Bible says, to the throne of grace. In our filth, in our dirt, in our muck, in our mire, we could find ourselves at heaven's throne and we would be accepted, called as part of the family because God doesn't see us, just us as we are. He sees us through the lens of his son. He sees us through the lens of Jesus, that he has forgiven us, that he has wiped us clean, that we are made new. 
We are redeemed. We are rescued from the evils of this world, the systematic sin of all humanity that wants to in, just strangle us, take us down and take us out. We forget there's an adversary. Is there as much a real God that we serve and love? There's an adversary, a real devil, that would do everything he could to kill you with a hangnail if possible. But we have a God who's won the victory. We have a God that whether it's a disease or sickness or plague or pestilence has no, has no stance in the light of the God that we serve. We serve a Jesus who with a big ugly stick beat up that devil and on three days rose again. We serve a Jesus who's so profound that even in leaving the tomb, he wrapped up those linen grave clothes and set them off to the side as to say what you had me bound in could not hold me down. I am free. Not only am I free, I've won the victory over even the grave clothes, over what was meant to tie me down. There are so many things in this life that will come against us that will try to steal from us the hope we have in Christ. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, our best is yet to come. Our best is yet to come because this nation is being forced to prayer. Our best is yet to come because our scientists, our doctors are being forced to ask God, what is the answer for this plague? We're being forced for our government leaders to say, we don't have it all together. So we've got to seek a higher power, a higher calling. And it's only through Christ Jesus. Our best is yet to come. I believe because this moment in time is shifting a tide, a nation that was once wayward, will not go back to where it was. A nation of people who were once far from God will not go back to that distant stature, but they will come back to the family. They will come understanding Jesus loves, he heals, he redeems, and he makes whole. Today, as we celebrate the resurrection, hopefully you'll go home and have some good food. I think my wife put ribs on. Hallelujah. Not like I need them but it'll be good either way. You know, it's funny. I try to say a joke or two and I can't hear anything. My timing's all off. You got to do something next time, right? Let me know. There are the clap in the background. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. It is the oddest thing to preach like this. Anyway, some of us are going to go home and we'll have our meals, our hams, our turkeys, our ribs, whatever. But as we're eating, as we're celebrating around a table with family and friends, as we're searching after those Easter eggs that we lay out throughout the house or through the yard as we're opening our Easter baskets. We need to remember the reason that we do all of these traditions, that that tomb is empty, that our God has risen, that victory has been won, that the battle is over, that death has totally been quenched, and Jesus Christ is Lord. Our best is yet to come. This isn't a, a debatable issue. This is a closed book issue. Jesus wrapped up the, the scroll. He closed the book. He set it aside. He said, your best is yet to come. And he shut the door on that book. The cross is empty. Jesus has won the victory. It's our opportunity right now to come to the cross and to say, Jesus, I give you my all. Jesus, because of that empty tomb, I have trust and faith in you.